Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord again this morning. Amen. To feel the presence of God. Amen. I know I've said it before and I'll probably say it again, but what a waste of time it would be to come into the house of God and not feel the presence of God. Amen. Amen. It's good to see friends. It's good to be around people we love and we enjoy seeing, but that's not why I come to church. Amen. But I come to be in the presence of God. Amen. It's good to be here again this morning. Appreciate again the opportunity. I haven't said this, of course, with Brother Riggin here, but I appreciate him having confidence in me. Amen. To preach while he's gone. I don't take that lightly. And uh, I do understand how that feels a little bit when you're gone. Amen. And you don't know what's going on. So I appreciate that very much. Amen. If you turn with me today in your Bibles, the book of Mark chapter 6. Amen. Thursday night, I was accused of being long-winded. Amen. I had four pages of notes. Today, I've got nine. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But you should have had a warning when I told you at the beginning that I had a launching point, but no landing point. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hopefully, today, we have a landing. Amen. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45 it says, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking about on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. Immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. He went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not... The miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Praise God. For a little bit today, amen, I want to endeavor to preach. Rowing against a contrary wind. Rowing against a contrary wind. Amen. Can you lift your hands? Ask the Lord to have his way in this place this morning. God, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your touch that we feel in this house today, God. We're just asking, Lord, that you would have your perfect way among us, God. Lord, have your way, Jesus. I need your touch, need your help today, God. Lord, I am so dependent upon you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, you're wonderful, Lord. You're wonderful, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And you may be seated. Praise God. Amen. I will say that today is the first time I've ever attempted to preach this. Amen. I was reading in my Bible, reading, I believe it was this week, maybe the end of last week, read Mark chapter 6. In this story, I have mentioned this aspect of the story of the contrary wind, but I have never devoted a message to it. But I have felt it on my heart all week, and so, amen, we're just going to see what happens. Praise God. Amen. If you back up just a little ways in the book of Mark chapter number 6, we read that they were in a, a desert area. The people had flocked together, amen, to come hear Jesus, and he began to teach them and spend time with them, and it was coming on to evening time, and the people had nothing to eat, amen. And so the disciples came to Jesus and wanted him to send the people away that they could find food. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 37, he answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. You ever had someone tell you to do something that you felt was impossible? Praise God. He said, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, shall we go 
and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat. He said, what are we supposed to do? There's this great mass of people here. He saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. Amen. That's not a whole lot of food. Amen. They say it was just a lunch that a young person would bring. This it wasn't a whole lot to it. And they brought it to him. I don't know if they brought it to him with a little sarcasm saying, this is what we got. What are we going to do with this? And, uh, and, and they, they brought it. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Amen. Once those 12 disciples had those pieces of bread and the pieces of fish, I'm guessing it wasn't much more to them. And they were looking at it as just a good little snack. Amen. A couple bites and you're still hungry. But it looked impossible. And, uh, and he, he gave them to them. And, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And if you read verse 44, it there says that there were 5,000 men. Amen. This was an amazing miracle that God did that day. Amen. When he took that little lunch and he got it uh, and he blessed it and he broke it. Uh, and he began to feed the thousands of people that were there. Amen. Because when he brought them that little bit, the disciples, they looked at the impossibility. But Jesus looked at it and said, it is enough. Hallelujah. I tell you what, there's sometimes we feel like we don't have a lot to offer him. But if you'll offer him what you've got, Jesus could look down and say, it is enough. I can take it. I can bless it. I can break it. I can multiply it. It is enough. Your little sacrifice, you think, uh, I have nothing to offer. Uh, I'm just a little person. Uh, I don't have that ability. Honey, if you'll give him everything, uh, he'll take it uh, and bless it uh, and multiply it. Hallelujah, the few things we can offer him, it is enough. He doesn't expect us to offer what we don't have. But if we'll give him what we've got, it is enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's enough. Amen. They didn't just eat till they were a little bit full. Amen. The Bible said they ate until they were full. I tell you what, when you pull up to the master's table, there's no point in sampling little bits here, little bits there. You might as well eat till you're full. Hallelujah. Amen. When you're feeding at his table, I'm telling you, there's no reason to leave unsatisfied. There's an old song that says, come and nine. The master calleth, come and nine. The first verse says, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people, come and nine. With his manna he doth feed and supplies our every need. Oh, tis sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. I'm telling you in this place this morning, he has a table spread. Amen. All he's waiting for is us to pull up to it and begin to eat what he's offering. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, if you just open your mouth and begin to eat of the goodness of the Lord, you won't walk out of here still with deeds. You won't walk out of here still wondering what's going on in life. But you can walk out satisfied. You can walk out full, full of the goodness of God, full of the fullness of God. You don't have to wonder anymore, but you can find your direction at the master's table. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. I'll tell you what, there's some times that we come to the house of God, I believe that we leave unsatisfied. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not God's fault. Amen. It's up to each of us to open our mouth and eat. Just like nobody can take you to the supper table and force you to eat what's there. God's not gonna force you to eat either. He just lays it out there for us. Amen. If we want it, it's there to take. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. What an amazing miracle they saw. And this great mass of people, when they saw what he had done, amen, they, according to the book of John, they thought so greatly of Jesus that they were thinking to make him a king. Amen. Set up an earthly kingdom. And that was not the plan of Jesus. So he constrained his disciples to leave and launch and go to the other side. That word constrained simply means to compel or to command. He didn't really give him a whole lot of option. He said, get you in the boat and get out of here. And then he went up to a mountain to pray alone. When the evening was come, there he was on the land and they were in the midst of the sea. John states that they were 25 to 30 furlongs out. Somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four miles. I guess I've never been there. So the folks that have been there are going to have to just deal with my interpretation of this. From what I find in the study, the widest place of this sea, if you would, or lake, was ten miles wide. But most of it's about eight miles. So they were about dead center in the middle of it. Amen. And uh, it was also a place that the way it's built is very low. And there's deep ravines that cut into it, according to what I studied. And it has winds that will come really suddenly and storms that will blow up very suddenly while you're out there on the sea. And so they headed out thinking it was no big deal. These were men that were born on the water, if you would, very well experienced in crossing this sea. And, uh, and they began to row across. But somewhere in that nighttime, somewhere in that journey, a contrary wind began to blow. Jesus is not with them right now. He's up on the mountaintop praying. He's up there praying, and they're out there on the sea, and they're rowing for all they're worth. Amen. But they're not making very much progress. Amen. You're you're talking right at this point in time when the the fourth watch of the night was about 3 o'clock in the morning. They, They think that he let them go in the evening, so you're talking nine hours they've been rowing. Now, I'm not experienced, but I'm guessing if I row for nine straight hours on a calm sea, I could probably cross it. Okay? It wasn't wasn't that hard of a journey. But a contrary wind began to blow. That word contrary means over against or opposite. A place opposite, contrary. Metaphorically, it means opposed as an adversary, hostile, antagonistic in feeling or act. An opponent. It was a wind that was not helping them. But they were facing dead into it and they were fighting the full force of the wind. And these were not lazy men. These weren't men that were refusing to fight the wind. But they were rowing with everything they had. They were fighting against it and slowly, maybe they were making progress, but they were fighting. They were toiling. They were working. And it seemed like their progress was not what it should be. Hallelujah. So we find them in the fourth watch of the night. They are toiling against the wind. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. Now I'm supposing that if there's a storm, there's also clouds. Amen. Which therefore made the night no doubt quite dark. And uh, they're fighting this storm. They're tired. They are weary probably frustrated and uh, here comes Jesus Matthew has it says it like this in Matthew 14 verse 26 when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and Peter answered him and said Lord if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water He said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. I've always been intrigued by this story. Peter in the boat said, if it be thou, bid me to come. And he said, come. Amen. And Peter steps out and does the impossible. Begins to walk on 
the water. And as long as his focus was on walking towards Jesus, he was just fine walking on the water. But when his eyes got off of Jesus and onto the wind boisterous, or if we could say it this way this morning, when he got his eyes off of Jesus and began focusing on the contrary wind, all of a sudden he began to sink. And in his moment of despair, when he's going down, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and pulled him up and they stepped together into the boat. And immediately the wind ceased. Hallelujah. I can just imagine the amazement in these men. And they've been fighting for hours against this wind. It's been blowing and beating at them. And then they see Peter walk on the water, which was amazing in itself. And then they watched him sink. Then they see Jesus save him. Then he steps in the boat and immediately the wind's done. And they were amazed. Hallelujah. Like the Bible said, they were hard of heart, not considering the feeding of the 5,000. In other words, they shouldn't have been amazed that he had the power to save them from the storm. When he had ju- they had just seen what he did before they cast off from the shore. Hallelujah. But somewhere they got so wrapped up in fighting against the wind that they forgot about the power of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When they, when they finally got in the boat, the wind had ceased. The rowing was easy. They, they landed on the shore. And, uh, and we read about the landing point in Mark chapter 6, verse 52. And uh, this is where they said, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Hallelujah. I would present to you today that before they launched from the boat, they saw an amazing miracle. They saw the hand of God move. They saw Jesus. They heard with their ears him begin to teach uh, and the amazing things that he taught. Then they saw that feeding of the 5,000. And then they got out there in that boat. They're probably still marveling uh, over what they just saw when that contrary wind began to blow. Hallelujah. They had to fight. They had to toil. They had to work. But I'm telling you, there was a work to be done on the other side. But it was hard to get there. It took work to get there. It took effort to get there. It took a willingness to struggle. It took a willingness to fight. It took a willingness to work to see the miracle on the other side. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, I'm excited this morning. Amen, we've seen God do some amazing things in our walk with God. We've seen miracles of deliverance. We've seen miracles of healing. We've seen miracles of salvation. We've seen miracles of provision. Hallelujah, we get excited when we think about all the amazing things that God has done behind us. But I want to tell you that there are greater things to be done yet ahead. But we might face today a contrary wind. We may be in the midst of the water struggling along. But I want to challenge you today to keep rowing. Row against that contrary wind. Keep working. Keep toiling. Because there's a miracle on the other side. Hallelujah. It seems that every time that we see the hand of God moving, amen, all of a sudden we get excited. We feel strength. We feel confidence. And then we feel a contrary wind. 
A wind of opposition. A wind that makes everything seem a little more difficult. We begin to struggle to make progress. Sometimes it seems that we're just staying in one place, though we're rowing with everything we've got. We're not feeling the progress that we think we ought to be feeling. Maybe somewhere on that stormy sea, amen, we get enough faith uh, to step out of the boat, if it were, and begin to walk on the water. We begin to see God move, uh, but then we get distracted again by the contrary wind, uh, and our focus gets misplaced, uh, and we begin to focus on the wind uh, rather than on the, uh, the one who controls the wind, uh, the master of the wind, uh, the master of the storm. We get our focus on the wrong thing. And we find ourselves like Peter, sinking in that sea of life. And we don't know what to do. So we cry out, save me. <coughs> Hallelujah. And never one time has he failed to reach down and pull us up. The wind was still blowing, folks. The storm was still raging. Hallelujah. They were still walking on the water. They had to work their way back to the boat. The storm didn't cease till they got inside the boat. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, we got to get our eyes fixed on him. The wind is going to blow. You're going to see the evidence of the wind blowing. You can see the waves. You can see the spray off the water. But I'm telling you, you got to get your mind fixed. You got to get your mind made up. Get your eyes put on him and say, let the wind blow. Let the storm rage. I'll keep rowing. I'll keep rowing against the wind. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that every person that is here today is not here by chance. Amen. But Jesus is trying to take us somewhere. He has a plan for us. I know you. Jesus knew what was going to face him on the other side of the water. He knew about the sick that were laying in their beds. He knew about those that needed his touch. He knew all about it while the storm was raging. Hallelujah. It takes some fighting. But I'd like to point out one other thing about this story. The Bible said that while they were in the middle of the sea, they were toiling, they were rowing, they were fighting. Jesus saw them. In the dark, dreary, stormy night. He saw where they were. He saw what they were facing. He saw what they were fighting. Hallelujah. There are times in facing that wind and facing that storm that we feel like we're fighting it all alone. That maybe God doesn't even know where we are. But I'm telling you, you might be toiling this morning. You might be rowing against that wind wondering what in the world's going on. You might be weary. You might be getting tired. You might be frustrated. But I'm telling you, there is a God in heaven that's looking down and watching you. He sees where you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're feeling. Amen. And he didn't sit there and watch them forever. But eventually he came to them. He came walking right through the storm. He came walking through the wind. He came walking to them. And I'm going to tell you tonight that in the middle this morning, in the middle of your storm, if you'll reach out to him, he'll come walking to you. He sees where you're at. He won't leave you alone. He won't leave you all in that place by yourself. But he will come to you. He will come to you. He will come to you. Because he sees you. He sees sincerity. He sees that effort. He sees the desire. 
I want to tell you something else. He sees our hurts. He sees our troubles. He sees our trials. He knows where you're at. Hallelujah. And he'll come walking right through the contrary wind. Hallelujah. 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 You see, one thing that they had to do is they had to keep rowing. Because if they didn't keep rowing, amen, they'd have blown back where they came from. So they had to keep rowing right against the contrary wind. And I'm betting they were reaching their point of exhaustion. That point where they wondered if they could even go on. But I'm telling you, right on time, Jesus showed up. Because if we don't quit, if we're still doing our best, we're still striving to reach out to know him more and know him better. He's going to show up right in the nick of time. But if we give up and give in to the contrary wind, it's going to blow us back where we came from. Amen. There's a scripture today. I don't remember exactly where it was. I was studying it this morning, and I believe it was found in Leviticus 26. He was talking to his people And he said, if you will be contrary to me, if you walk contrary to me, the next verse he said, I will walk contrary to you. If we allow ourselves to give in to that contrary wind, God's going to turn contrary to us. But if we're still putting up that effort, even if it feels we're making no ground, but we're still putting everything we've got into it. I'm telling you, he'll come to you. And he'll take you on where you need to go. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 27, we find Paul. Paul in chapter 26 had just faced against King Agrippa. Festus told him his story. Told him about his conversion. How that he was walking on that Damascus road. Bright light shone down from heaven. Said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Went on to tell about his conversion. I believe that Paul presented to them the biblical plan of salvation. They had to repent of their sins. as he did. They had to be baptized in the saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And that God would fill them with his spirit and filling them with the Holy Ghost. And he began to talk to them and teach them and and tell them his whole testimony. And then he said, believest thou? And King Agrippa said, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And they turned around and walked away from him and said that if he had not appealed unto Caesar, they would have let him go. But since he had appealed to Caesar, to Caesar he would go. So in chapter 27, we find that he is on that ship. They're launching out to go to Rome. They're going to sail by the coast of Asia. It landed at Sidon. They let Paul off the ship. He had friends there. He had traveled through there in a couple of his journeys. And verse 4 of Acts 27 says, And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Normally, if the winds wouldn't have been contrary, they would not have gone under Cyprus. But the contrary wind forced them to adjust their route. It forced them to go a different direction. And uh, so they started on this journey, and things just really started going downhill from there for them. In verse number 7, it says, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against night, as the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Elmon, and hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. They were facing a strong wind, a contrary wind that was not allowing them to travel very quickly. It had slowed their progress. 
And it continued to push them off their preferred route. Praise God. Bear with me for a few minutes. This will make sense in a minute. Acts, I hope, praise God. Acts 27 and 9 says, Now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Amen. They were facing a rough journey. The owner of the ship kept assuring this centurion, no doubt, that everything was going to be okay. I've sailed this thing many times. I've, I've done this a lot. I'm an expert at this. Don't listen to that guy over there. He has never done this before. I know what I'm talking about. And the centurion listened to this so-called expert rather than listening to the man of God. Hallelujah. Just a side note, there's oftentimes we can get ourselves in trouble listening to the wrong voices. Amen. Listening to the wrong voices. Hallelujah. Sometimes that voice that sounds so convincing is nothing more than a subtle contrary wind. The next verse, it says that the wind began to blow softly and so... They thought maybe the storm had passed over. And so, and one of the biggest things about it was the place where they were was not a good place to winter. And it wasn't a convenient place for them to winter. And so they decided to push on and not listen to God or God's man because of their convenience. So they launched the ship. And no sooner had they launched it than the wind came but much worse. In fact, they even named this wind. And they figured that, that they have a hard time defining what the word means. But basically, they figure it must have meant like a cyclone or a hurricane type force. It was a gale force wind began to blow them. And they, they got into a place where they could not even direct the ship anywhere. The wind took over. And began to just blow. They had to turn it over to the wind and just let go. And the wind began to drive them. And I know this verse, I believe, was mentioned last Sunday, I believe, by Brother Regan, or uh, I believe it was. And, uh, and they said in, in verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, uh, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day, amen, they let go of a lot of stuff that day. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. They threw out every anchor, everything that they thought was surplus. They were trying to get that ship as light as they could. Trying to handle what they were going through and what they were experiencing. They were trying to stay afloat. Verse 20 says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They lost every bit of hope. We are in a place there's no getting out of. We are are done. I'm going to get, let me keep going. I'm going to get sidetracked. But amen, their hope was gone. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me. And not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Well, hallelujah. They're losing everything. They've got no hope. They feel like they're going to be dead. And this man that told them not to sail, number one, rubs it in that he told them that. Hey, man, said, you should have listened to me the first time. But since you didn't, here we are. He goes, but now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. He said, don't worry, you're not going to die. This ship is done, but we will live. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. He said, the angel of God came, because I am the guy, I am God's, and I serve him. 
saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. They were going to be saved because God had interest in Paul. Paul had something for Paul to do. God was not done with him yet. And so he said, I'm going to save everybody with you that I can save you. Hallelujah. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. These men felt like they were doomed. But God came and spoke to Paul again. Gave him some reassurance that their lives would be spared. Though they were going to lose the ship. Amen. So they moved on again, not really sailing because the wind was still driving them. They began to draw near a shore. They were sounding and they found out that they were getting closer and the depth was getting shallower. So they casted four anchors and in fear waited for the daylight. There they were in that dark, stormy sea again. They threw the anchors out and waited for the day, knowing that the next day was going to be an adventurous day. In verse 30, it says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. They said, yeah, we're going to go cast out some anchors here. And what they was really doing was getting ready to run for their lives. Trying to escape what they thought was probably certain death. Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. Them soldiers probably had their mouths wide open in fear as they watched their lifeboat <laughs> sail away. But Paul said, except ye abide in the ship. He then told them to eat. They had been fasting for many days. In verse 38 it says, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. And cast out the wheat into the sea. You see, although they had gone through a couple other days of lightening the ship, there was still some things in that ship that needed to be cast out. They had held on to that wheat, hoping that they could sell it for their own gain. They still had some things weighing the ship down. Hallelujah. They pulled the anchors and committed to the sea. The sea pushed them in. They saw that what was a river or a creek, and they tried to aim for it. And they struck ground. And the front of the boat was made fast, and the back of the boat began to break up. They commanded those that could swim to dive over. The rest were saved on broken pieces of the ship. They all made it safely to shore. But the native people, or barbarians as they called them here, saved them, received them, helped them. We have here another interesting story, and, and Paul was there, and they were gathering sticks, throwing them in the fire, and as he threw his sticks in, a viper leaped out of the fire and latched onto his hand, and the natives that were there began to watch him, waiting for him to swell up and die. They knew the viper that jumped out of the fire, and you didn't survive that viper, and though they sat and watched Paul, in fact, they began to say, you know what, this man is a murderer. He has escaped death by the sea, but the gods have got their vengeance on him. You know what? Unless I misinterpret scripture, you probably could have made that justifiably and made that accusation against Paul. He was consenting unto the death of Stephen. He had them in prison, beaten, no doubt put to death. So it wasn't an unjust accusation. But he shook the viper into the fire and went on. And when they saw that he was none changed, then they began to think that he was a God. Amen. In verse, chapter, verse 7 of chapter number 28, we have, where it says, In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever, of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed, and laid his hands on him and healed him. 
So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. God took that contrary wind and blew Paul way off course. And I wonder sometimes if he didn't just do it because there was a man that was laying sick in a bed. Hallelujah. They were suffering so much loss and suffering so much hardship. But yet when they hit that shore, there were others that rejoiced, no doubt, because Paul came by. I believe with everything in me today that God can allow a contrary wind to come into our life to redirect our course. Because we've got our mind made up that this is the way I'm going uh, and this is the way it's going to be. And God says, you know what? That's not my plan for your life. That's not the direction uh, that I really want you to go. So he allows that contrary wind to come uh, to allow us to begin to redirect uh, and go a different direction uh, because he's taking us somewhere. Hallelujah, because of that contrary wind, we began to realize that the ship is too heavily laden. There's some things in my life that I've got to lighten up. There's some things I've got to get rid of. Amen, and so we begin to toss things over. A few days later, realize there's something else, and we get rid of it. Hey, everything's good now, but the wind keeps blowing, and all of a sudden we realize that we're not done yet. Uh, buried way down deep inside. Uh, there are some more things uh, that I've got to go lay on an altar. Uh, I've got to get them out of my vessel. I know we've heard this a lot lately. And I, I tell you what, it's something that's just weighing on me so heavily. We've got to lighten our load. We can't afford to have an overloaded vessel. We can't afford to try to roll with all the extra weight. We've got to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We've got to lay aside our doubt. We've got to lay aside our unbelief. We've got to lay aside our fear. I'm telling you what, Peter had to lay aside fear to step out of the boat. And I'm telling you, there's some of us today maybe that God's wanting you to step out of your boat. He's wanting you to get out of that comfort zone. And it's going to take some, uh, some faith. It's going to take tossing out the unbelief and tossing out the doubt. Because God is trying to redirect you. And maybe, just maybe, God is going to use that contrary wind to break up your vessel. Because there's sometimes that we have dreams, ambitions, and plans that don't coincide with God's plan. And we're trying to sail our vessel instead of boarding his vessel. God will allow that contrary wind to come into our life. You say, I'm so tired of this trouble. I'm so tired of this constant fight. It's constantly struggling. Can't seem to find the peace that I want in my life. Can't really seem to find that ultimate direction. I'm floundering around in this vessel. Well, maybe God is getting ready to drive your vessel into a shore somewhere. You know, Paul made it to Rome, but he didn't make it to Rome on that ship. Ma'am, sir, God's taking you somewhere. But you may have to get into a different boat. God's using that contrary wind you're facing right now. He's going to break apart your vessel that you can board his 
And he'll take you where he wants you to be. Maybe there's an island somewhere, spiritually speaking, where there's a sick barbarian. And God wants to heal him. But in order to get you there, he's got to break your vessel up. Hallelujah. Somehow in rowing against a contrary wind, you've got to learn to trust him no matter what. Put your confidence in him no matter what. Hallelujah. There was a man one time, and we've... Again, I've preached about him several times, I guess, the last few weeks, but old Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Didn't rain for three and a half years. He stepped out and said, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. God honored him and his boldness, and it didn't rain. God took him, hid him, provided for him, fed him. Great miracle of provision. Till finally God said, you know what, it's time to step back out. And he stepped back out in a big way. Challenged the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Jezebel. They went up on Mount Carmel and they prepared. Of course, the prophets of Jezebel didn't have the courage to show up. So he just faced, I believe it was 450 prophets of Baal. They prepared their altar, laid their sacrifice out on the altar. And the challenge was that the God that answered by fire would be God in Israel. He let them go first. They gave everything they had in their efforts. You cannot at all take away the credit they deserved for their effort. Amen. They went the extra mile in trying to get the attention of a God that was dead. Doing everything they could. And when they could not accomplish anything at the time of the evening sacrifice, the Bible says that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was torn down. He laid the wood down on the altar. He prepared the sacrifice. He dug a trench, had them pour barrel after barrel of water over it, wanted to prove there was no trickery in him. Prayed a very simple prayer. God answered his prayer with fire. Fire fell and consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood, consumed the stones, licked up the water and the dust even. Amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Elijah felt that revival was coming to Israel. And so he went up on a mountaintop, told Ahab, you better eat. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Went on a mountaintop, stuck his head between his knees, began to cry out to God and pray. Sent his servant to go look, and the seventh time he came back, I believe it was the seventh time, he, he said, I see the cloud as of a man's hand arising from the ocean. He said, well, we better get out of here, because here it comes. The clouds turned black and dark. The rain began to fall. First time in three and a half years. He ran before Ahab into the city. Everything was good till Ahab got home and there was Jezebel. And Jezebel said, oh my goodness, be it unto me if you're not like one of those prophets. that Because he killed those 450 prophets of Baal. He killed them all. And she said, be it unto me if you're not like one of them by tomorrow. Elijah turned and ran. Amen. Ran for his life. Crawled up underneath a juniper tree. An angel came and began to prepare him some food. He said, this is going to have to carry you. And Elijah went from that place, took him 40 days to cover a seven-day journey wandering if we could say it this way being tossed by a contrary wind confused doubt had crept in wondering what in the world I've done so, we, 
I felt that this would turn Israel. I thought that this was going to be the thing. I had it all planned out and, and man, it didn't work. I tried everything I could think of. And there he was just wandering in that state of confusion. No doubt hurt. We find him hiding in a cave. God comes and speaks to him and tells him to go stand in the entering into the cave. And there he went and God passed by and there was a great wind that came that ripped the rocks loose from the mountain. It was a great earthquake came and shook the mountain. It was fire that fell. And after all those things, a still, small voice. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah had his answer. I've been very zealous for you. I've done everything I can do for you. He said, I'm the only one left. They've cast down your altars. They, they've destroyed your prophets. They, I'm the only one you've got left worshiping you. I can just see God shaking his head. Hey, so I want you to go anoint this one and this one and this one. Said, and the ones that you don't slay, they'll slay. And by the way, Elijah, there are yet 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal. They're still worshiping me. You're not alone. Elijah had done a great work behind him, and there was a great work to be done yet ahead. But he had to face a contrary wind to be redirected in the right direction where God wanted to take him to do the work that God wanted him to do this morning you may wonder why you're even here let me tell you something God wanted you to know that you might be facing a contrary wind right now but he's trying to take you somewhere you may have fought and you may be struggling. You may be confused. You may, you may be hurting. You may be feel like you're all broken up. You might be wandering in that desert area and you don't know where to go or where to turn. But I'm telling you, God wants to take you somewhere and he'll let that wind drive you until you can get like Peter and say, Save me, Lord! Come help me, God! I know you've done work behind me. And there's work to be done ahead, but right now I don't know what to do. And I tell you, today is the day that we need to cry out to him. Maybe today's the day that we need to lighten our vessel yet. Oh, maybe we've let go of some things, but maybe there's still something down there. And we know it's there, but we're just trying to pretend like it's not there. But I'm telling you, you've got to lighten everything that will hinder you. And somehow keep rowing in a contrary wind. Could stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may feel like you've been struggling for so many hours, so many days, so many weeks, months, yeah, years. I want to tell you the fourth watch is coming. The fourth watch is coming. And in that fourth watch, Jesus will come walking right across that stormy sea bringing peace bringing strength bringing direction but i'm telling you what you've got to endure till the fourth watch you've got to keep rowing though that wind is blowing though you're fighting it it's blowing boisterous and you you don't know how you can handle it i'm telling you somehow you've got to dig down deep and keep on rowing get rid of every excess weight and keep rowing because jesus sees you he knows where you're at he knows what you're fighting and he's gonna come to you 
He'll find you if you're hiding in a cave. He'll find you if you're still out there on the ocean. He'll find you under the juniper bush. Wherever you're at, he'll come and find you. If you're still reaching out to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Hallelujah. But maybe you're right at that point where you're thinking about giving up. I just came to tell you today to keep rowing in a contrary wind. You've seen the feeding of the 5,000, but now you're out on the ocean, out on the sea. The winds are beating at you. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. Don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. Amen. If you're needing strength, let me ask you to please come and find strength in this altar. If you're needing direction, I ask you to come find strength and direction in this altar. If you need to lighten your load today, won't you come in this altar? and dig down deep in the recesses of your heart and see if there be anything that would hold you back. Today, if you're confused, today, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, won't you come to this altar because the master has a table prepared for you even though the wind is blowing and it's blowing contrary. Won't you come and find him today? Won't you come and talk to him and cry out, save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Oh, my vessel's breaking apart. My vessel's breaking apart. Let me tell you something. Stay on board as long as you can. Then let those broken pieces carry you into that place where God wants you to be. Where God will bring you a new vessel. Will you keep rowing? Will you keep rowing today against that contrary wind? Keep rowing, keep rowing.